Hey, Drunk Mythology friends. I'm Kate. And I'm the other Jen. And I'm Kim. And we're the Drunk Dracula Gals. Drunk Dracula Gals. I know you're just showing off. Yeah, I am. (laughs) (laughs) So this is chapter seven of Bram Stoker's... Ah, yes! Kate screwed it up. Yes. Yes. Did I screw it up or did I just speak truth? My work is done. (laughs) I spoke truth because this is celebrating the month of Drunk Dracula Gals, also called October, also called Drunktober. Drunktober! Rocktober! (laughs) Yay! And Dracula is public domain. Hello, intellectual property lawyers. We love you. If you'd like to sponsor us, I think I'm going to need your services to defend me after... uh, all of Northern England sues me after my Mr. <laughs> Swales accent. Oh, and I think uh, Ireland and Scotland are getting in on the class action. I definitely heard some pirate in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, uh, let's. Where are we to off to today again? England. We're back to England. Okay. All right. England it is. And we're going to start with. Recap! Yay! Recap. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Chapter six. Oh my fucking God, Mr. Swales, sit down, or at least stop having such a hard accent for me to do. Literally, Mina and Lucy go walking around the cliffs because, let's be honest, Mina is just bidding her time until she finds the right moment to push Lucy off them, and they run into old Mr. Swales. We can't understand 98% of the shit he says, and he's probably half in the bag, so whatever. He spends a lot of time being colloquial and making my life miserable with his accent. Lucy gets the willies because someone else used her favorite seat, but Mina has her own shit to worry about, like, where the fuck is Jonathan? Did he change his mind and stay in Transylvania. <laughs> we wrap up the chapter with why pet programs don't work in 19th century lunatic asylums because Renfield sure as hell isn't humming arms of the angel under his breath as he collects those spiders. Anyway, carry on. Oh my goodness. <clears throat> Shall okay. I uh, take the take the first? Um, All right, we're going to read the longest newspaper re- uh, re- report in the history of the U. This is why print is dead. Which okay, is also so, showing why uh, Stoker probably never worked for a newspaper. Maybe he did, but oh, oh my God, really? All right. So we're just going to alternate paragraphs here? Correct. Okay. Got it. Cutting from the Daily the daily Graph, 8 August, pasted in Mina Murray's journal from a correspondent in Whitby. One greatest and suddenest storm on record has just been experienced here with both results both strange and unique. Uh, if I was an editor, I would say in the corner, I'd say either strange or unique, but not both. Yeah, that's just me. <laughs> the weather has been somewhat sul- <laughs> the weather has been somewhat sultry, but not to any degree uncommon in the month of August. Saturday evening was as fine as was ever known, and the great body of holiday makers laid out yesterday for visits to Mulgrave's Wood, Robin Hood's Bay, Rig Mill, Runswick, Staithes. <laughs> <laughs> you can see and the Steens. other There's Steens and Steeths. <laughs> and various trips in the neighborhood of Whitby. The steamers Emma and Scarborough made trips up and down the coast, and there was an unusual amount of tripping both to and from Whitby. The day was While unusual. Stationary, right? Just 
<laughs> the day was unusually fine till the afternoon when some of the gossips who frequent the East Cliff churchyard and from that commanding eminence watch this wide, sea- wide sweep of sea visible to the north and east call to attention the sudden show of mare's tails high to the sky in the northwest. There are mil- mare's tails in the sky. <laughs> So they're pointing to the sails on the ship. Is that no, there's clouds? clouds. There's a storm's coming in. Oh, okay. Typical weather forecast. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's not what my local weather app says. Okay, watch for the what the mare's tails in the sky. <laughs> yeah, the wind was then blowing from the southwest in the mild degree, which in barometrical language is ranked number two light breeze. The Coast Guard on duty at once made report and one old fisherman who for more than half a century has kept watch on weather signs from the East Cliff (laughs) foretold in an emphatic manner the coming of a sudden storm. The The approach of sunset was so very beautiful, so grand in its masses of splendidly colored clouds that there was quite an assemblage on the walk along the cliff in the old churchyard to enjoy the beauty. Before the sun dipped below the black mass of Kettleness, standing boldly athwart uh, athwart the western sky, <laughs> its downward way was marked by myriad clouds of every sunset color, flame, purple, pink, green, violet, and all the tints of gold, with here and there masses not large but of seemingly absolute blackness in all sorts of shapes, as well outlined as colossal silhouettes. Every newspaper editor everywhere is turning in their grave. Yeah, right. The experience was not lost on the painters, and doubtless some of the sketches (laughs) of the prelude to the great storm will grace the RA and RI walls in May next. Royal Academy and Royal Royal, whatever, whatever. uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. More than one captain made up his mind then and there that his cobble or his mule, as they term different classes of boats, would remain in the harbor. Somebody shut that old man up. <laughs> Remain in the harbor till the storm. Had- <laughs> the, fe- the wind fell away entirely during the evening, and at midnight there was a dead calm, a sultry heat, and that prevailing intensity, which on the approach of thunder affects persons of a sensitive nature. That's true. That's when I get a migraine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, tornado there- light. That's oh, right. Yeah. There were there were but few lights in the sea, and there were few lights in sight at sea. For even the coasting steamers, which usually hugged the shore so closely, kept well to seaward, and few fishing boats were in sight. The only sail noticeable was a foreign schooner with all sails set, which was seemingly going westwards. The foolhardiness or ignorance of her officers was a prolific theme for comment. Whilst she remained in sight and efforts were made to signal her to reduce sail in the face of danger. Before the night shut down, she was seen with sails idly flapping as she gently rolled on the undulating swell of the sea. Wow. As idle as a painted ship upon a painted ocean. Shortly before 10 o'clock, the stillness of the air grew quite oppressive, and the silence was so marked that the bleating of a sheep inland or the barking of a dog in the town was distinctly heard and the band on the pier with its lively french air was like a discord in the great harmony of nature's silence a little after midnight came a strange sound from over the sea and high overhead the air began to carry a strange faint hollow booming then without warning the tempest broke. Didn't you with a repetitive just give a warning? 
I think the, the hollow booms might have been a, considered a warning. Right. When the rapidity which at the time seemed incredible and even afterwards is impossible to realize, the whole aspect of nature at once became convulsed. The waves rose in growing fury, each overtopping its fellow, till a very few minutes the lightest glassy sea was like a roaring and devouring monster. White-crested waves beat madly on level sands and rushed up the shelving cliffs. Others broke over the piers and with their spume swept the lantern the lanterns of the lighthouses, which raged from either end of the pier of Whitby Harbor. The wind roared like thunder and blew with such force that it was difficult that even strong men keep their feet or clung with grim gra- clasp to the iron stanchions. It was found necessary to clear the entire piers from the mass of onlookers or else the fatalities of the night would have been increased manifold. To add to the difficulties and dangers of the time, masses of sea fog came drifting inland, white, wet clouds which swept by in ghostly fashion, so dank and damp and cold that it needed but little effort of imagination to think that the spirits of those lost at sea were touching their living brethren with the clammy hand of death. Or looking for their tombstones. They're looking for their tombstones. (laughs) Many many in one shuddered as the wreaths of sea mist swept by. At times, the mist cleared, and the seas for some distance could be seen in the glare of the lightning, which now came thick and fast, followed by such sudden peals of thunder that the whole sky overhead seemed trembling under the shock of the footsteps of the storm. Has anybody seen Jim Cantor? (laughs) (laughs) He's tied to a stop sign. Thunder (laughs) fog. He's tied to one of the tombstones. Jim Cantor. (laughs) Jim Cantor, where are you? (laughs) Hi, Jim. We love you. If you want to sponsor us. (laughs) Oh, okay. Some of the scenes thus revealed were of immeasurable grandeur and of absorbing interest. The sea running mountains high through skywards with each wave mighty masses of white foam Ugh, i think you guys read these ahead and i don't i go into this cold no Which, i haven't read any of this <laughs> i have what are you crazy except for mr <laughs> swales <laughs> which the tempest seemed to snatch and snatch at and whirl away into space here and there a fishing boat and a rag of sail running madly for shelter before the blast now and again the white wings of a storm-tossed seabird yeah i'm not following anything i'm saying here on the summit of the east cliff the new searchlight was ready for experiment but had not yet been tried the officers in charge of it got it into working order and in the pauses of the inrushing mist swept with it the surface of the sea once or twice its service was most effective as when a fishing boat with gunwale underwater rushed into the harbor able by the guidance of the sheltering light to avoid the danger of dashing against the piers As each boat achieved the safety of the port, there was a shout of joy from the mass of people on shore, a shout which for a moment seemed to cleave the gale and was then swept away in its rush. Before long, the searchlights discovered some distance away a schooner with all sails set, apparently the same vessel which had been noticed earlier in the evening. The wind had by this time back to the east, and there was a terrible shudder amongst the watchers on the cliff as they realized the terrible danger in which she now was. Between her and the port lay the great flat reef on which so many good ships had from time to time suffered, and with the wind blowing from its present quarter, it would be quite impossible that she should fetch the entrance of the harbor. 
It harbor. was now the harbor. It was now near the ha- the hour of high tide, but the waves were so great that in their troughs the shallows of the shore were almost visible, and the schooner, with all sail set, was rushing with such speed that, in the words of one old salt, she must fetch up somewhere if only in hell. <laughs> then came another rush of sea fog, greater than any hitherto, a mass of dank mist which seemed to close on all things like a gray pall, and left available to men only the organ of hearing. The ears, dude. Come on. Wow. <laughs> wow. For the roar of the tempest and the crash of the thunder and the booming of the mighty billows came through the damp oblivion even louder than before. Okay. <clears throat> the rays of the searchlight were kept fixed on the harbor mouth across the east pier where the shock was expected and men waited breathless. The wind suddenly shifted to the northeast and the remnant of the sea fog melted in the blast. And then Mirabile Dictu. Mirabile Dictu. Okay. Mirab. I still can't say it. Between the piers, <laughs> leaping from wave to wave as it rushed at headlong speed, swept the strange schooner schooner, schooner. Bef- before the blast. I do not know nautical words. Um, with all sail set and gained the safety of the harbor. The searchlight followed her and a shudder ran through all who saw her. For lashed to the helm was a corpse <gasps> with drooping head. No. Which swung horribly to and fro at each motion of the ship. (gasps) No other form could be seen on deck at all. A great awe came on all as they realized that the ship, as if by a miracle, had found the harbor, unsteered save by the hand of a dead man. Was he dead? He was dead. However... All took place more quickly than it takes to write these words. Uh, Obviously. That is not a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) The schooner or schooner? Schooner. Schooner. The schooner paused not, but rushing across the harbor, pitched herself on that accumulation of sand and gravel washed by many tides and many storms into the southeast corner of the pier jutting under the east cliff known locally as Tate Hill pier there was of course a considerable concussion as the vessel drove up on the sand heap every every spar rope and stay was strained and some of the top hammer came crashing down but strangest of all the very instant the shore was touched an immense dog sprang up on deck from below as if shut up by the concussion and running forward jumped from the bow onto the sand Making straight for the steep cliff where the churchyard hangs over the laneway to East Piers so steeply that that some of the flat tombstones, thrustings or through stones, <laughs> as they call them in the Whitby vernacular, <laughs> actually project over where the sustaining cliff has fallen away. It disappeared into the darkness, which seemed to intensify just beyond the focus of the searchlight. Wow. So a dog jumps off the boat. Right. Do we and learn church? What do we learn about the dog? Or yes. we okay, yeah, so uh, eventually. eventually. All right. It so happened that there was no one at the monument on Tate Hill Pier, as all those whose houses are in close proximity were either in bed or were out on the heights above. Thus the Coast Guard on duty on the eastern side of the harbor, who at once ran down to the little pier, was the first to climb on board. The men working the searchlight, after scouring the entrance of the harbor without seeing anything, 
then turned the light on the derelict and kept it there. The Coast Guard ran aft and when he came beside the wheel, bent over to examine it and recoiled at once as though under some sudden emotion. This seemed to pique general curiosity and quite a number of people began to run. It is a good way round from the West Cliff by the drawbridge to Tate Hill Pier, but your correspondent is a fairly good runner and came well ahead of the crowd. <laughs> when I arrived, however, I found already assembled on the pier a crowd whom the Coast Guard and police refused to allow to come on board. By the courtesy of the chief boatman, I was, as your correspondent, permitted to climb on deck and was one of the small group who saw the dead seaman whilst actually lashed to the wheel. It is Click no bait. wonder... Right. It was no wonder that the Coast Guard was surprised or even awed, for not often can such a sight have been seen. The man was simply fastened by his hands, tied one over the other, to a spoke of the wheel. Between the inner hand and the wood was a crucifix, the set of the beads on which it was fastened being around both wrists and wheel, and all kept fastened by the binding cord. The poor fellow may have been seated at one time, but rudder of the wheel had dragged him to and fro so that the cord with which he was tied had cut the flesh to the bone. Oh, nice. Ouch. Accurate note was made of the state of things, and a doctor, Surgeon J.M. Caffin of 33 East Elliott Place, did we just dox the doctor? <laughs> we did. We doxed who, the medical examiner, yes. Who came immediately after me, declared after making examination that the man must have been dead for quite two days. In his pocket was a bottle, carefully corked, empty, saved for a little roll of paper, which proved to be the addendum to the log. Ooh. The Coast Guard said the man must have tied up his own hands, fastening the knots with his teeth. The fact that a Coast Guard was the first on board may save some complications later on in the Admiralty Court, for Coast Guards cannot claim the salvage which is the right of the first civilian entering on a derelict. Already, however, the legal tongues are wagging, and one young law student is loudly asserting that the rights of the owner are already completely sacrificed, his property being held in contravention of the statues of Mortmain, since the tiller, as em emblemship, if not proof of delegated possession, is held in a dead hand. Whatever. I think so they're saying that the ship is abandoned. Okay. It so is basically, needless, we've got a yeah. reporter who wants to be a lawyer. Right. Uh, right. <clears throat> it is needless to say that the dead steersman has been reverently removed from the place where he held his honorable watch and ward till death, a steadfastness as noble as that of the young Casabianca. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, and placed in the mortuary to await inquest. Already the sudden storm is passing and its fierceness is abating. Crowds are scattering homeward and the sky is beginning to redden over the Yorkshire wolds. I shall send, in time for your next issue, further details of the derelict ship, which has found her way so miraculously into harbor in the storm. Fascinating. So this right. continues to be the newspaper guy, right? Yeah. Okay. okay. Whitby. 9 August. The sequel to the strange arrival of the derelict in the storm last night is almost more startling than the thing itself. It turns out that the schooner is a Russian from Varna and is called the Demeter. Oh, hey, there's a nod to mythology. Correct. <gasps> Do I get a gold star? You get a gold star and that is the whole point of reading Dracula so we can make this one mythology reference. Holy shit, there it is. Right? Okay. All right. 
she is almost certain, almost entirely in ballast of silver sand with only a small amount of cargo, a number of great wooden boxes filled with mold or dirt. Sounds like my basement. Right. This cargo was consigned to a Whitby solicitor, Mr. S.F. Billington of Seven the Crescent, who this morning went aboard and formally took possession of the goods consigned to him. The Russian consul, too, acting for the charter party, took formal possession of the ship and paid all harbor dues, etc. Nothing is talked about here today except the strange coincidence. The officials of the Board of Trade have been most exacting in seeing that every compliance has been made with existing regulations. As to the matter is to be... As the matter is to be a nine days wonder, they are evidently determined there shall be no cause of after complaint. A good deal of interest was abroad concerning the dog, which landed when the ship struck, and more than a few of the members of the SPCA, which is very Me strong in Whitby, have stopped, have tried to befriend the animal. To the general disappointment, however, it was not to be found. It seems to have disappeared entirely from the town. It may be that it was frightened and made its way to the moors, where it is still hiding in terror. There is some who look with dread on such a possibility, lest later on it should itself become a danger, for it is evidently a fierce brute. Early this morning, a large dog, a half-breed mastiff belonging to a cold merchant close to Tate's Hill Pier, was found dead in the roadway opposite its master's yard. Yeah, it had been fighting and manifestly had its savage opponent, for its throat was torn away and its belly was slit open. Fucking Christ. As if by a savage claw. Whoa. No. (sighs) Later. By the kindness of the Board of Trade Inspector, I have been permitted to look over the logbook of the Demeter, which was in order up to within three days, but contained nothing of special interest except as to facts of missing men. The greatest interest, however, is with regard to the paper found in the bottle, which was today produced at the inquest and a more strange narrative than the two between them unfold it has not been to my has not been my lot to come across as there is no motive for concealment i am permitted to use them and accordingly send you a rescript simply omitting technical details of seamanship and supercargo it almost seems as though the captain had been seized with some kind of mania before he had got well into blue water, and that his this had developed persistently throughout the voyage. Of course, my statement must be taken cum grano. With a grain of salt. Okay. Since I am writing from the dictation of a clerk of the Russian consul who kindly translated for me, time being short. Log of the Demeter. You've Varna? been waiting your whole life for this moment, haven't you? <laughs> I have. <laughs> Varna to Whitby. <laughs> Written 18th July. Things so strange happening that I shall keep accurate notes henceforth till we land. On 6th July, we finished taking in cargo, silver sand and boxes of earth. At noon, set sail, east wind, fresh. Crew, five hands, two mates, cook, and myself, captain. On 11 July, at dawn, entered entered Bosphorus, boarded by Turkish customs officers. Bakshish? Oh, correct. Underway at 4 p.m. Bakshish is a bribe, correct? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. On 12 July, through the Dardanelles, more customs officers and flag boat of guarding squadron. Bakshish again. Work of officers through Toropukvik. Want us off soon. At dark, passed into Archipelago. 
on 13 July, best gift matapan. And what the fuck? I just learned something today because there's also a matapan in Boston. Oh. Just south of Boston. Yeah. yeah. It's the red line goes to uh, matapan. <laughs> Could have been dissatisfied about something. Seems good, but would not speak out. On 14 July, was somewhat anxious about crew. Men, all steady fellows who sailed with me before. Mate could not make out what was wrong. They only told him there was something and crossed themselves. Mate lost temper with one of them. Hey! That day and struck him. <laughs> Expected fierce quarrel, but all was quiet. <laughs> On 16 May, Mate reported in the morning that one of crew, Petrovsky, was missing by Petrovsky. Bye! Bye! Yeah. <laughs> Could not account for it. Took Larboard's watch eight bells last night. Was relieved by Abramov, but did not go to bunk. Men more downcast than ever. All said they expected something of the kind, but would not say more than that there was something aboard. Mate getting very impatient with them. Feared some trouble ahead. On 17 July, yesterday, one of the men, Olgaren, came to my cabin and in Ostrakwe confided to me that he thought there was a strange man aboard the ship. He mm. said that in his thought she had been sheltering behind deck houses. There was a rainstorm and he saw tall, thin man who was not like any of crew come up companionway and go along deck forward and disappear. He followed cautiously, but when he got to bows, found no one and the hatchways were all closed. He was in panic of superstitious fear and I am afraid the panic may spread. To allay it, I shall today search entire ship carefully from stem to stern. Later in the day, I got together the whole crew and told them that they evidently thought there was someone in the ship and we would search from stem to stern, like I said. First mate angry, said it was folly and to yield to such foolish ideas would demoralize the men. He uh, said he would engage to keep them out of trouble with handspike. <laughs> the hell is handspike? It's a new management technique, apparently. <laughs> move, move over, sigma, Six Sigma. I let them take helm. Whilst, uh, while the rest began thorough search, all keeping abreast with lanterns, we left no corner unsearched, as there were only big wooden boxes. There were no odd corners where men could hide. Men much relieved when search was over and went back to work cheerfully, uh, singing Volga Boat song. (laughs) First mate scowled, but said nothing. 22 July. Rough weather last three days and all hands busy with sails. No time to be frightened. Good. Devil makes idle hands. Mm -hmm. Something, something. Men seem to have forgotten their dread. Made cheerful again, and all on good terms. Praised men for work in bad weather, past Gibraltar and out through straits, all well. 24 July. There seems some doom over the ship. Uh, maybe I get something called Harkerism. I was good. <laughs> I'm not good. Already a hand short and entering on Bay of Biscay with wild weather ahead, and yet last night another man lost. Disappeared. <laughs> like the first, he came off his watch and was not seen again. Men, all in panic of fear, sent around, sent around Robin asking to have double watch as they feared to be alone. Made angry, fear there will be some trouble as either he or men will do some violence. 28 July, four days in hell, knocking about in a sort of maelstrom and a wind, and, and the wind a tempest. No sleep for anyone. No sleep for you. 
Men all worn out. Hardly know how to set watch since no one fit to go on. Second mate volunteered to steer and watch to let men snatch few hours sleep. When debating, sea is still terrific, but feel them less as ship is steadier. 29 July, another tragedy. A single watch tonight is crew too tired to double. When morning watch came on deck, could find no one except, st- except steersmen. Raised outcry and all came on deck. Thorough search, but no one found. Are now without second mate and crew are in a panic. Mate and I agree to go armed henceforth and wait for any sign of cause. 30, 30 July. Last night, rejoiced we are nearing England. Weather fine, all sails set. Retired, worn out, slept soundly, awaked by mate telling me that both man of watch and steersman missing. Oops. Only self and mate and two hands left to work ship. Yikes. Yikes. This is what happens when you, you need don't to take, offer you need benefits. A, you need to take a rest? Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting there. One August. Two days of fog and not a sail sighted. Had hoped when in English Channel to be able to signal for help or get in somewhere. Not having power to work, sails have to run before wind. They're not lower, as could raise them again, as could not raise them again. We seem to be drifting to some terrible doom, like I said before. Mate now more demoralized than either of men. His stronger nature seems to have worked inwardly against himself, like yeast. Men are beyond fear, working stolidly and patiently like ox bowing to slaughter with minds made up to worst. (laughs) They are Russian, he Romanian. That explains it. (laughs) (laughs) To August midnight, woke up from few minutes sleep by hearing cry, seemingly outside my port. Could see, why are you always sleeping, dude? Seriously. Right? Yeah. Could see nothing in fog. Rushed on deck and ran against mate. Tells me heard cry and ran, but no sign of man on watch. One more gone. Lord, help us. Mate said we must be tra- past straight to Dover. And as in a moment of fog lifting, he saw North North Foreland. Okay. As he heard the man cry out. If so, we are now off in the North Sea and only God can guide us in the fog, which seems to have moved with us and God seems to have deserted us. Wow. So, yeah. It's like no. all of Russian literature is boiled down <laughs> into one sentence. God yeah. seems to have deserted us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only God can, God can save us, but God has deserted us. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. 3 August. At midnight, I went to relieve the man at the wheel, and when I got to it, found no one there. Eh. The wind was steady, and as we ran before it, there was no yawing. I dared not leave it, so shouted for the mate. After a few seconds, he rushed up on deck in his flannels, in his little PJs. (laughs) (laughs) He looked wild-eyed and haggard, and I greatly fear his reason has given way. He came (laughs) close to me and whispered hoarsely with his mouth to my ear, as though fearing the very air might hear. When you guys want to do this? It is here. I know it now. On the watch last night, I saw it like a man tall and thin and ghastly pale. It was in the bows and looking out. I crept behind it and gave it my knife, but the knife went through it, empty as the air. Dude, you make my ear tingle. (laughs) And as he spoke, he took his knife and drove it savagely into space. Then he went on. But it is here, and I'll find it. It is in the hold, perhaps in one of those boxes. I'll unscrew them one by one and see. You work the helm. 
And with warning look and his finger on his lip, he went below. Because obviously, it's sound noise, whatever. I don't know, he crazy. There was springing up a choppy wind and I could not leave the helm. I saw him come out on deck again with a tool chest and a lantern <laughs> and go down the forward archway. He is mad. Stuck raving mad, and it's no use my trying to stop him. Okay, have a nice time. Knock yourself out. He can't hurt those big boxes. They are invoiced as clay. Mm-hmm. And to pull them about is as harmless a thing as he can do. Okay, you madman, you stay down there, play with Play-Doh. So here I stay and mind the helm and write these notes, which apparently fit in little bottle in the right? little pocket. Right. <laughs> I can only trust in God and wait till the fall clears. Again, this is the sequel (laughs) to every book in Russian literature. (laughs) Then, if I can't steer to any harbor and with the wind that is, I shall cut down the sails and lie by and signal for help. It is nearly all over now. Just as I was beginning to hope the mate would come out calmer, for I heard him knocking away at something in the hold, and work is good for him. There came up the hatchway, a sudden startled scream, which made my my blood run cold. And up on the deck, he came as if shot from a gun. A raging madman with his eyes rolling and his face convulsed in fear. Save me, save me. He cried and then looked around on blanket of fog. His horror turned to despair and in steady voice, he said, You had better come too, Captain, before it is too late. He is there. I know the secret now. The sea will save me from him, and it is all that is left. Before I could say word or move forward to seize him, he sprang on the bulwark and deliberately threw himself in sea. Bye-bye. Oh, yeet. Yeet. Damn. I suppose I know the secret too. It was this madman who had got rid of men one by one, and now he has followed them himself. God help me, how am I to account for all these horrors when I get to port? I mean, look, it looks like I'm the one, but I this is forensics. <laughs> when I get to port, will that ever be? For August. Still fog, which the sunrise cannot pierce. I know that there is sunrise because I am a sailor. <laughs> <laughs> Why else? I know not. I dare not go below. I dare not leave the helm. And so all night I stayed, and in dimness of light I saw it. Him. God forgive me, but the mate was right to jump overboard. It was better to die like man, to die like sailor in blue water, no man can object. Drakaris! <laughs> <laughs> but I am captain, and I must not leave my ship. Uh, honestly, dude, just take the rowboat. Just go. Yeah. At this point. <laughs> but I shall baffle this fiend or monster. Really? Oh, <sighs> For I okay. shall tie my hands to the wheel when my strength begins to fail, and along with them I shall tie that which he, it, dare not touch. And then, come good wind or foul, I shall save my soul and my honor as captain. I am growing weaker. And the night is coming on. If he look me in the face again, I may not have time to act. If we are wrecked, may have this bottle be found. The chances, yeah. yeah. And those who find it may understand. If not, well, then all men shall know that I have been true to my trust. God and the blessed virgin and the saints help a poor ignorant soul only trying to do his duty. 
Of course, the verdict was an open one. There's no evidence to adduce, and whether or not the man himself committed the murders, there's now none to say. The folk here hold almost universally that the captain is simply a hero, and he's to be given a public funeral. Already, it's arranged that his body is to be taken with a train of boats up the Esk for a piece, and then brought back to Tate Hill Pier and up the Abbey Steps. It's like damn Queen Elizabeth funeral. For <laughs> he is to be buried in the churchyard on the cliff. The with owners drifting. <laughs> yes, exactly. The owners. Owners of more than a hundred boats have already given in their names as wishing to follow him to the grave. No trace has ever been found of the great dog, at which there is much mourning, for with public opinion in its present state, he would, I believe, be adopted by the town. Tomorrow we'll see the funeral, and so we'll end this one more mystery of the sea. Mina Murray's Journal 8 August. Lucy was very restful all night, and I too could not sleep. The storm was fearful. As it boomed loudly among the chimney pots, it made me shut up. When a sharp <laughs> puff came, it seemed to be like a distant gun. Strangely enough, Lucy did not wake, but she got up twice and dressed herself. Fortunately, each time I awoke in time and managed to undress her without waking her and got her back to bed. <laughs> it's a very strange thing, this sleepwalking, for as soon as her will is thwarted in any physical way, her intention, if there be any, disappears and she yields herself almost exactly to the routine of her life. Early in the morning, we both got up and went down to the harbor to see if anything had happened in the night. There were very few people about, and though the sun was bright, the air was clear and fresh. The big, grim-looking waves that seemed dark themselves, because the foam that topped them was like snow, forced themselves in through the narrow mouth of the harbor, bully like a bullying man going through a crowd. Somehow, I felt glad that Jonathan was not on the sea last night, but on land. But uh, is he on land or sea? <laughs> Where is Your he? Mind. Where is he and how? I'm getting fearfully anxious about him. If only I knew what to do and could do anything. <laughs> 10 August. The funeral of the poor sea captain today was most touching. Every boat in the harbor seemed to be there, and the coffin was carried by captains all the way from Tate Hill Pier up to the churchyard. Lucy came with me, and we went early to our old seat, while the cortege of boats went up the river to the viaduct and came down again. We had a lovely view, saw the procession nearly all the way. The poor fellow was laid to rest quite near our seat, so it seemed we stood on it when the time came and saw everything. Poor Lucy seemed much upset. She was restless and uneasy all the time, and I cannot but think that her dreaming at night is telling on her. She's quite odd in one thing. She will not admit to me there's any cause for restlessness, or if there be, she does not understand it herself. There's an additional cause in that poor old Mr. Swales was found dead this morning in our seat, <gasps> his neck being broken. She's not. Is she more upset that he was on her seat or that he was dead? Unclear. Oh my God! Night thirsting. <laughs> he had he had evidently, as doctor said, fallen back in the seat in some sort of fright. For there was a look of fear and awe on his face that yes. men that men said make them shudder. Poor dear old man. Perhaps he had seen death with his dying eyes. Lucy is so sweet and sensitive; she feels influences more acutely than other people do. Just now, she was quite upset by a little thing which I did not much heed, though myself am very fond of animals. One of the men who came up here to look for the boats was followed by his dog. The dog is always with him. They're both quiet persons. I never saw the man angry, nor heard the dog bark. 
During the service, the dog would not come to its master, who was on the seat with us, but kept a few yards off, barking and howling. Its master spoke to it gently, and then harshly, and then angrily, but it would neither come nor cease to make a noise. It was in a sort of fury, with its eyes savage, and all its hairs bristling out like a cat's tail when a puss is on the <laughs> warpath. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, the man too got angry, jumped down, kicked the dog, and then <gasps> took it by the scruff of the neck, half dragged and half threw it on the tombstone on which the seat is fixed. Oh. The moment it touched the stone, the poor thing became quiet and fell all into a tremble. It did not try to get away, but crouched down, quivering and cowering, and was in such a pitiable state of terror that I tried, though without effect, to comfort it. Where's the Lu SPCA when now? When you, yeah, right? they're, yeah, they're supposed to be there. Lucy was full of pity, too, but she did not attempt to touch the dog, but looked at it in an agonized sort of way. I greatly fear she is so, often too super sensitive in nature to go through the world without trouble. She'll be dreaming of this tonight, I'm sure. She is just a delicate flower, this bitch. Oh, my God. <laughs> a whole agglomeration of things. The ship steered into the port by a dead man, his attitude tied to the wheel with a crucifix and beads, the touching funeral, the dog, now furious, now in terror. All afford material for her dreams. I think it'll be best for her to go to bed physically tired out. So I shall take her for a long walk by the cliff. <laughs> I'll take her for a long walk to the by the cliffs to Robin's Bay, Robin's Hood Bay, and back. She ought not to have much inclination to sleepwalking then. Oh my goodness! And we stop now. <laughs> yeah, and contemplate. Pushing her off the edge. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say that, but I wasn't going to say that. But yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. wow. Okay. That's that's a lot. Um, wow. I Yeah. He obviously got paid by the word. Yes. <laughs> God damn it, Dickens. Yeah. So, Kate, what's coming up tomorrow? Um, so, tomorrow we get Lucy as a drama queen. Surprise! Oh, Shocker. Uh, Mina would never cut it as a lady's maid. And How dare you? <laughs> And we get some shipping manifests, some hospital notifications, and Renfield. Yay! Oh boy, this is going to be great! Oh, don't yeah. for, don't forget to check us out at Patreon at patreon.com slash drunk mythology gals. That's right. Month of October, we have the special drunk Dracula gals tier for one dollar. You get all these Dracula episodes as soon as we release them. But wait, there's more. You also get access to all our other Lit Crit Hour episodes. And thanks again for joining us. Please subscribe, leave a rating or review, and tell your friends and family about us, especially if they're like, did you see the news the other day? There was this ship, and then it, there was a dog, and there were some boxes, and then there was a note and a bottle, and oh my God. And then there was weather, and then there were cliffs. <laughs> right. <laughs> and a lot of cliffs, and a lot of weather, and then three stings. <laughs> Finally, always remember, if the undead can behave badly, so can you. <laughs>